Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour. This summer, keep up to date on the day's news with Up First, the morning news podcast from NPR. In just 10 minutes, Up First gives you a quick morning update on the news you need to start the day. Wake up with Up First tomorrow morning on the NPR One app and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Stephen Thompson. Hello, Linda Holmes. You're back from California. I am. I've been hearing about all of the new fall TV. We will talk about that on a later show. But as we tape this, I have to admit, I'm right between jet lag and moving into a new apartment. And I I think I need something fun. Yeah, and I think the show needs something fun. Summer movies have been good, but they haven't necessarily been light. No, that is absolutely true. And I think I know what we should do. We're going to give ourselves a lift, maybe give everybody out there a lift. Okay, so you mean something TV-related, but not actually a TV show. Ah, you read my mind. All right, on this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour, we return to our old favorite, the regrettable television pop quiz with our pal Sam Sanders. So let's finish introducing the panel. I'm Glenn Weldon. I write for the NPR website. And in our fourth chair this week, one of our favorite people here in the building and in the world, the host of NPR's podcast, It's Been a Minute, Sam Sanders. Hi, Sam. Hey, nice to be here. It's always good to have Sam, is it not? It is. And And we have Sam here for a very, very special thing, and that is... The regrettable television pop quiz. Now, Linda. Yes. I feel like this has a song. I know. It goes, regrettable television pop quiz. There we go. Oh, that was awesome. Cool, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Got the band back together. (laughs) So the way that this game works, if you've never heard it, is we have each brought a clip from a regrettable television show. They're not all regrettable television shows. They're just weird. Oh, mine's mine's regrettable. But some of them are just weird, right? It is exploring the corners of television. You play a clip that you brought, and then we all try to figure out if we know what it is, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Right. And... There's peak TV, right. and then there's this. Yeah. <laughs> Trough TV. <laughs> Trough TV. There's the multiplicity of networks <laughs> that brings you uh, this wonderful collection. So the first one that we're going to do is Steven's clip. Hit us, Jessica Reedy. We expect Richard to go on the attack at some point here, right? I know he was a defensive player, but this is ridiculous. Fritz just keeps backing away and backing away. At some point, he's got to go in there and risk it against the seven foot seven inch man. You guys got a box, so you're not going to get paid. Either one of you. Come on, let's go. Let's box. Hey, you heard Raul Caiz. He gets right to the point and tells the fighters to start earning their paycheck. And here it comes. Oh, the fridge. fridge. So it's some kind of boxing, boxing thing. Boxing show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is. Oh, now, Glenn mentioned uh, Trough TV. This is. This is. <laughs> Trench TV. Wow. <laughs> Under the trough. Marianas Trench TV. So, okay, so wait. So, so they're boxing. Is there boxing with the stars? Is that is a thing? Is it celebrity boxing? It is. It's oh. celebrity boxing. 2002. 2002. Okay. You're going into the archive. So, I went into the archive. So celebrity boxing, the only thing I know about it is I think at some point Tanya Harding fought She somebody. sure did. Oh, she, fought, no. she fought Paula Jones. Huh. Ugh. Yeah. And, that uh, is disgusting. And, <sighs> and Screech. Screech, uh, Dustin Diamond. Uh, I believe he fought Ron Palillo from Welcome Back, Cotter. Um, The fight we heard, I was going to do Todd Bridges beating the absolute snot out of Vanilla Ice, but I I actually thought it would be too easy. That's funny because I almost brought the Vanilla Ice Project, uh, (laughs) Vanilla Vanilla Ice's home rehabilitation show. Oh, my God. But I didn't. Uh, Vanilla Ice has done a lot. He's putting out new music this year, he tweeted. 
yeah, like two weeks ago. Yeah, I think that's right. I heard them say the fridge. Yes, that is William so is... William the Refrigerator Perry, a former defensive tackle for the hated Chicago Bears. Uh-huh. Uh, Super Bowl champion, not a great boxer. As his nickname suggests, very, very, very large man. Yes. Fighting uh, Manute Bull, the uh, former seven foot seven and sadly departed mm-hmm. uh, basketball player. Mm-hmm. So you have Manute Bull who's seven foot seven and, and whose arms are are like 100 feet long. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And you would think that is a significant boxing advantage. It's just a pie fight. It's just, <laughs> two, it's just two guys who don't know how to box standing there miserably waiting for time yeah. to pass. Yeah. It is glorious. I wanted to include, this is floating around in various, you, know, on, you can find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. The YouTube clip I saw actually still had the commercials in it. Oh. By far the best part of celebrity boxing. Because yeah. I got to watch a 10-10-220 commercial with Terry Bradshaw and Alf. Wow. (laughs) This is one of those things. There was a time when the state of reality television was that people felt like people would watch anything. And Uh the more grisly and exploitative and terrible it was, the more they would watch it. And there was, you know, Stephen mentioned the trench, the idea of trench TV. But there was this like searching for the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. You don't get as much of that now. They tend to like a little more of a sheen on it, that like Bachelor Real Housewives sheen where they want you to have the opportunity to feel like it's not... But so grody. This weekend, I was stuck in a hotel room, sick, and I was flipping through channels, and I saw like two commercials for Fear Factor on MTV, hosted by Ludacris. Yes, (laughs) they have that that made it or brought back. I guess they have brought that back. Wow! And that is one of the ones that has survived from that era or been revived. But it it falls into the category, and Fear Factor had a celebrity component. Sometimes it falls into the category of celebrity debasement. Yeah, which, Uh which which was very big for a while. Right. And which they've kind of pulled back from a little bit. It tends to be a little bit more about Lisa Welchel is on Survivor sure. or or uh, Battle of the Network Stars, which right. we've talked about and stuff uh-huh. like that. They tend to, to want to play on your affection right. for old celebrities more than just the... Or in the case of, of Dustin Diamond, your pitched antipathy. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So that is a great example of actually regrettable television. Now, uh, my clip that I brought is less regrettable. It's just the kind of thing that I love the fact that on TV, you can watch anything you want. (laughs) Uh, So this is more the kind of like life's rich pageant Uh of TV. Uh, Play the clip, Jessica. You see that? You see that, guys? That's the one. There's a nice big black mamba. Danger, danger, danger. Wow. That music. Danger, danger, danger. Yeah. Danger, danger, danger. It's not the Crocodile Hunter. No. No. It's not. uh, Is there a Black Mamba Hunter? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that show airs on Nat Geo Wild. Sure Uh, does. uh, And it's called Snake City. (laughs) (laughs) Where the snakes are pretty. Uh, I don't care for this. (laughs) So, yeah. So uh, this is uh, this guy named Simon Keyes and his herpetologist girlfriend. Oh. Uh, her name is Susie Gillett, and it's spelled like Susie and the Banshees. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, wow. S-I-O-U-X. Yeah. 
they work in uh, Snake City is not just like a general like, you know, this place is Snake City. It is a place called Durban, South Africa, which has a huge snake problem. Wow. So they work in Durban, South Africa. To get rid of the snakes. To get rid of snakes. They go to people's houses. That particular clip that you heard was them removing a black mamba that was running wild in someone's oven. Oh. I know, The right? land of Glenn Weldon's nightmare. So, uh, so episode titles include Psycho Mamba. Okay. <laughs> Country Club Killer. All right. And my personal favorite. Hiss of death. Uh, so he and Susie go around, and like, there's a great clip of him pulling a spitting cobra out of a hole with his hand. Yeah, he's got a glove thing. on, of course, but he's pulling a spitting cobra <laughs> out of a hole. And as he's pulling it out, Susie is like standing by, but he keeps telling her to get out of the way because it's gonna like spit venom at her. And uh, she's too close, so it spits venom at no. her. And he says. Uh, while she goes to rinse off, he's like, she's very sensitive to cobra venom. <laughs> and so I roll. It gives her a terrible rash. And then he goes on to say, she has this big reaction. She can't stop itching. And then I have to take her to the hospital. And I don't need her in the hospital. I need her helping me catch snakes. Wow. Jewish. That's love. It is love. That's love. It is love. He does not want to take on the snakes alone. Mm. And then you get to see how one handles a spitting cobra. I had never actually seen a spitting cobra Mm -hmm. spit. How far do they spit? They spit a long way. Oh, my God. They spit spit several feet. It appears several feet. So he has to keep everyone away. You have to have eye protection. It's just the super serving of tiny demographics. People who love watching guys wrangle snakes <laughs> but the angle that it has that i think is the more like nat geo wild kind of angle is that he also considers himself like a snake rescuer because his mm-hmm. thing Aww. is he <laughs> like so he's, not, he's not going around that clubbing was, them he's that not was an sam going oh yeah. snake well, rescue but no seriously he's not an exterminator and one of his things is the best way to save the snake is to go remove the snake safely and then you release it in the wild now if i lived in a place that was known as snake city i would not live I would in a place say, <laughs> i would say please when you release it in the wild take it a ways a away way 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 away cuz we're already yeah Snake City. Exactly. So maybe take it over to the next one over, Snake I was going to say Mongoose Land. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> take it over to I would. Mongoose Land. Mongooseopolis. But, but like, <laughs> I would live in. But the fact, that he's, the fact that he's kind of rescuing these snakes makes me think of like a show like Pitbulls and Parolees. Yes. Mm. He's got a heart of gold. Exactly. He wants to help. I'm happy that Sam knows a little about pitbulls. I love that show because that is that is it's it's the big dudes with the soft spot for animals. That's right. It's kind of like That's a specific right. genre, yeah. and that is where you get Snake City. Snake, Snake, Snake City. City. Me down to Snake City. Moving on. <laughs> All right, moving on. Sam Sanders. Uh, I want to hear uh, a clip from Sam Sanders. Excuse me. How old is your baby? Oh, um, that's a good question. <laughs> I met Angela at that party in the village, and Mm. we dated for maybe six weeks before we were intimate. (laughs) And she broke up with me pretty much right after that. I'm sure there was no correlation. So we're into August now, and they take like nine months once they're up and running. I think so. Three months. Three months. My baby's three months old. <laughs> I have no idea what this uh, is. Oh, I kind of remember this sitcom. It was a while back, though, right? A couple years? 
It started in 2012. It uh-huh. just ran its last episode in May of this year. It huh. ran for six seasons. What was it, Glenn? What I are can't you remember the name of it. I can't remember the name of it. ABC Family. Of ABC. course it was. Black <gasps> Track Sitcom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. is it Baby Daddy? Yeah! Baby, <laughs> Baby Daddy! I was getting farther and farther away as we went along. Baby Daddy. All right, tell me about it, Sam, because so I know the name, yes. as you can tell, yes. and I was able to put it together from the clip because yes. I know that they have a show called that. Yes. What is it? Well, first, it's one of the shows that I watched during the campaign season to have like a total brain detox. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. when I you watch it. this show, you can focus on nothing but the absurdity of this show. Okay. Right. So that was good for me. Uh-huh. But Baby Daddy started out on ABC Family in 2012, ran through 2017, but went over to Freeform. Yeah, it was because ABC Family turned yeah, itself into Freeform. Yeah. yeah. And the premise is this young man about town who's also a bartender and a philanderer. He um, has a one-night stand that mm-hmm. ends with the baby. But he doesn't know the baby's there until it literally shows up on his doorstep one yeah. morning. So then he... And his best friend, who he lives with, and his brother, who was a pro hockey player that's just moved in with them, they decide they can raise the baby. Are together. you telling me there are three men and a baby and uh-huh. one baby? Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a fresh new concept. Yeah, it yeah. Really is. And so the show is just one absurd in the way that it treats these three adult men as total adults when they yeah. like when they have to hold the baby or see the like right. it plays into these really oh, weird stereotypes yeah. about what men can and can't do which right. is hilarious to also watch also Full House was this yeah uh, how do I hold the baby how do yeah, I change my, the diaper my first guess was Fuller House yeah. but then you said 2012 uh, Sam yeah. did you check in with this show or did you watch oh I watched <laughs> it I binge watched it really wow. just binge because baby daddy yeah just because like you just like you thought about nothing else but how yeah. stupid the show was. Yeah. Because okay. it was like like it wasn't just these three idiots trying to raise a kid yeah. saying we'll just swap shifts. At one point in the pilot, they figure out who's gonna babysit the child for the night. One oh. of them invokes the bro code to say it's your turn to watch because that time you wanted to date that girl like covered for you. It's just oh. it's just dumb. <sighs> but then to like really make it hilarious. The guy's mother moves in across the hallway sure. to help raise the baby, sure. but she's a cougar, shall we say, oh, who's sure. also always looking for a man. Sure. And it's just like it's one of those sitcoms where everyone's door is always unlocked. Uh-huh. So yep. the They're best friend from in. childhood lives upstairs, mm-hmm. and there's these episodes where everyone goes from the guy's place to the mom's place to the girl's place, and like, ba- where's the baby? Who's the apartment? Who's is the baby? Got the baby? In? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's very bad. This is like. <laughs> Nineteen eighty-seven. I was gonna yeah. say exactly. Yeah. This really sounds like it could have. I want to ask you a question, Sam, and this is a real question. <laughs> what were the long days of the campaign like, <laughs> brain-wise, that took you to this sort of respite? And I mean this, like, yeah. Yeah. because this seems—I cannot imagine that that work, and I cannot imagine the mental state, not just to watch this show, but like. That was amazingly difficult, right? Yeah. Like, just mentally. You know how, like, if you're ever on a bike uh-huh. or, like, at a spin class yeah. and you pedal furiously for, like, two minutes and then you're pedaling so fast that your legs can't keep up? Mm-hmm. That's how the campaign felt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're moving so fast that your soul can't keep up with your brain. Yeah. And there's just so much going on. And you want something to just put the brakes on it. Yeah. Baby daddy is mental brakes. <laughs> It's breaks. Uh, all right, we got one more to go. Yeah, and I have to set this up a bit. Okay. Uh, because without it, you won't know what's going on here. Uh, basically, in, in this clip, a woman finds a baby shoe in her backyard. It's another baby shoe. 
identical to the one that I had found in the nursery. Maybe it's the same one, I don't even know. But how could that be? Because that one is hanging in my car. <laughs> it was the same shoe. Okay, let's just uh, let's just say, <laughs> as a stinger, it was the same shoe. It was pretty great. Pretty great. It was the same shoe. So she found a shoe in the backyard. Mm-hmm. She had already found the shoe in the nursery, but she wasn't sure if it was the same shoe or the twin of the shoe. But she was pretty sure that she had already taken the shoe from the nursery and for some reason hung it from the mirror of her car. This is the thing. The thing that she thinks is creepy is not the creepy thing. (laughs) She's like, oh, no, there's another shoe. And I'm like, why did you hang this shoe in your car? Hang the shoe. If you found. So it's a baby shoe. She just like found in the nursery. Uh huh. And um, she liked it so much, she hung it in her it car. In exactly. Car. That's the that's where the problem is. I'm assuming this is some sort of one of these like supernatural detective yeah, or it's... ghost baby hunter. Because <laughs> <laughs> or... it is not not the most naturalistic dialogue. Baby shoe no. city. Infant <laughs> infant seance. <laughs> uh, it is called My Haunted House. Of course. On uh, Destination America. Which is a channel. Wow. It Um, It used to be something else, and I forget what. It's one of those that's been rotating. The thing that is creeping around is that this shoe moved. But I think as reasonable adults, we can agree. Shoes move. Things happen Uh uh, for a variety of reasons. Doesn't have to be a ghost. Doesn't have to be sinister. Could be the borrowers. Maybe it's the borrowers. She didn't even think about (laughs) that. Millions of ghost hunting shows. No borrowers hunting shows. Um, This is the creepy, unreliable narrator, physician heal thyself thing. The reason she's creeped out is because at some point in the recent past, she did find a shoe in the nursery and decided, instead of doing what you or I would do, which is to toss it or Mm -hmm. to burn it with holy cleansing (laughs) fire, (laughs) to hang it from her rearview mirror. So she sees this shoe and she's like, she doesn't have kids, by the way. So Uh she's like, okay, so I'll just, this will look good in the Corolla. Right? Oh. This is, it's like a pine Hanging scented. from my mirror. Pine scented air freshener, fuzzy dice, baby flag shoe. of Texas, the, demon uh, baby shoe. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Go in on. the next scene, she asks her husband, Did you move the shoe? The show is agnostic on this point, mm-hmm. but it's pretty clear <laughs> that her husband moved the shoe. Because obviously, like one day he borrowed the car, forgot yeah. that the demon baby shoe was hanging in there. <laughs> and maybe he had to drive the office manager home. And the office manager was like, what's that? And then as soon as he got home, uh-huh. out of embarrassment, he just ripped that thing off and threw it in the backyard. Uh, so this is My Haunted House. The logo and its bumpers and everything about it is biting the style of House Hunters. Oh, in nice. a big way, as you, as you might imagine. I like that. I, so every time you go to a commercial, you just imagine somebody's going to come in and say, Tommy and Tina are looking to trade their Tony Tampa townhouse <laughs> for a flaming hell pit of pus and fire. <laughs> Hail Satan. You know, but that never happens. Oh, my God. That is uh, my haunted house. Haunted house on Destination America. I think we've done a very good round of regrettable television pop quiz. <laughs> Did anybody actually... You you guessed celebrity boxing. You got yeah. that. No, you got it. Yeah. Okay. No, I you guessed Baby right. Daddy. I yep, guessed Baby Daddy. Too. Okay, you won. The Frankly, and, and I didn't guess My Haunted House, but I knew it was You're one of the, these yeah, um, yeah, yeah. ghost detective, paranormal, paranormal PD or whatever it's called. <laughs> so thanks to you guys for participating in that. We are going to do our favorite segment of this week and every week when we come back. It's what is making us happy this week. So come right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Sony Pictures Classics, presenting Brigsby Bear, a new film starring Kyle Mooney from Saturday Night Live as James, a young man obsessed with the show Brigsby Bear. James's insular world is upended during one dramatic night, directed by Dave McCary. Also starring Mark Hamill, Greg Kinnear, Claire Danes, and Andy Samberg. Brigsby Bear, now playing. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Juice Beauty, whose founder Karen Benke believes that women shouldn't have to choose between their beauty and their health. Juice Beauty is radically transforming the chemistry of beauty with luxurious, high-performance skincare and vibrant plant pigment makeup. Formulated with antioxidant-rich certified organic ingredients, every organic drop feeds your skin. Find your clean skincare or makeup solution by signing up for emails on juicebeauty.com and enjoy a special offer with your first order. Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. It is time for our favorite segment, What is Making Us Happy This Week? I'm going to start this time with Sam Sanders. Sam, what is making you happy this week? Hey, so what's making me happy this week, and for the last few weeks, actually, is the soundtrack to HBO's Insecure. Oh, nice. Mm, It is on Spotify, basically a long playlist of every song that is on that show from seasons one and two, and it's just great. She's really tapped into the mood of the show, the zeitgeist of the show, and, like, the mindset of, like, the folks I knew back in L.A. when I lived there. Mm -hmm. Like, the young urban buppies from South L.A. (laughs) who were just as Californian as they are black. And some of the songs that I would find on the playlist... I'd be like, well, I thought I was the only one that knew about this <laughs> up-and-coming emo R&B group. <laughs> like, there's these guys, this band called They, period. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're obscure, and they don't show their faces. They have, like, a hyena as their logo, and they released an album recently that's really just, like, kind of chill wave, almost, um, like, gothic R&B. And I thought no one knew about them, and I've loved them for months. And then they show up on the Insecure <laughs> soundtrack. They're reading your mind. <laughs> they're reading my mind. And it's so great to have a playlist that feels like it's talking right to me and friends of mine. And, you know, it's like everyone has been saying for years that, like, the album is over and, like, the playlist might be one of the waves of the future. I didn't feel that way until this one. Very, very good. Nice. So it is the playlist slash soundtrack for Insecure, available yes. on Spotify. Also featuring one of Issa Rae's, uh, she has a few tracks where it's like her raps from the show. Sure, yeah. In there as well, which is really fun. Wonderful. Thank you very much, yeah. Sam Sanders. Glenn Weldon, what is making you happy this week? Edge of Seventeen is a dark little indie comedy written and directed by Kelly Freeman Craig about a young woman played by Haley Steinfeld uh, navigating high school when her best friend starts dating her brother. This all sounds very after school special, but I guarantee it is not. It occupies a a space closer to Easy A. Uh, And I resisted it for a while because I thought it was going to be sweeter and treaklier than it is. Woody Harrelson stars as a teacher who's sort of a reluctant mentor to her. And uh, the movie's good. And then when he comes in and delivers a specific line, you'll know which one, the movie becomes great. I went and did this as a firm anti-Steinfeld person because I'd forgotten how good she was in uh, True Grit, the Coen Brothers film. Mm -hmm. And I only knew her, I thought, from Pitch Perfect 2, where it was her lousy song, Flashlight, Oh, oh, right. oh no! I wow. That stole the finals from its rightful winner, Dust Sound Machine. So yeah, I uh-huh. hated her going I in. I get it. I get it. And she completely turned me around. It's a charming little dark, funny film called Edge of Seventeen. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Stephen Thompson, what is making you happy this week, buddy? 
So I was looking for a distraction on on Sunday night, sort of the way that Sam watched Baby Daddy to get uh, to get through the campaign. And so I needed something simple and funny and dumb. And I found it in the 2008 movie Step Brothers. Uh, now, Step Brothers has its adherents. I recently saw a list of the 25 best movies of the century so far, and Step Brothers was like number 10. Uh, Step Brothers is uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. It's directed by Adam McKay, who did your did your Anchorman, and it was exactly the cure for what ailed me. I forgot all my problems as these very, very silly men. If this movie were made today, they would call it Large Adult Sons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It feels actually like the prototype for the Large Adult Sons trend movement, if you want to call Uh it that. uh There was actually an article about Large Adult Sons in The New Yorker. Did not mention Step Brothers. I did not understand. Anyway. How can it be? That film, like Anchorman, like MacGruber, the second time you see it, it's going to be even funnier. For those who don't know, from from the title, uh, <laughs> Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are adult baby men uh, who live together when their respective parents get married. It is very silly and stupid. Like Anchorman, it will be familiar to you if you've never seen it before because you have a friend who has quoted every yep. line. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. So uh, to just clear out a little bit of news, you will not be hearing about this again for a super long time, I promise. <laughs> but uh, some of you know I sold the novel that Woo-hoo! I wrote. Yay! Uh, so that's making me happy. And I have just gotten back from Television Critics uh, Association press tour where I saw a bunch of fall TV. There are a couple things from that that are making me happy which I'll talk more about as we get into the fall. But what cheered me recently was the story of a WNBA game between the Washington Mystics and the uh, Indiana Fever. And what happened is they had a water leak in the arena. And because there was a delay, if you know anything about delays in, for example, Major League Baseball, you get all these long, weird things where they try to vamp and all this other stuff. For a portion of the time that was taken up by this uh, water leak, the Indiana Fever and the Washington Mystics had a dance-off <laughs> because because not everything is terrible. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it is really fun to watch. There is something about the WNBA that I think because it is a kind of a scrappy mm-hmm. Uh, I use the word scrappy more in the marketing sense than in the, I mean, they're they're wonderful, incredibly yeah, in the, in the fun, skilled in the and gifted sense. athletes, but they are a kind of an underdog in terms of marketing and market power. So there is something about that league that I always think is really fun. And this was a really fun example of really loose moment where it really seemed like a bunch of athletes who are also humans. Like it was a very, very charming yeah thing. And they all could dance, which yeah. I love. Like, they were really good at dancing. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, I, I was watching that tape, and I was like, I wonder if the guys would have done this. Hmm. Something about the, that league, it seems like all the women, regardless of what team they're on, have a certain solidarity. I agree. And they're kind of like, we're in this together. I agree. And when you saw them dancing together, if you didn't see the jersey colors, you wouldn't know who was on which team. Uh-huh. I agree. And that felt beautiful to me. I agree. It felt and beautiful. I, I think that's another thing that I mean when I say the WNBA has this feel. Yeah. Where I think they are all more part of the WNBA. Than they are their teams. That, like That's their first loyalty yeah. is part of the WNBA and yeah. how much they love it and care about it and want it to flourish as opposed 
opposed to the first thing being like myself, you know, my glory, my team, all that stuff. I agree with you that it had the feeling of like everyone being part of one thing, which I was kind of in the mood for. It was heartwarming. So that made me very happy. You can find that clip. Again, it's the Indiana Fever and the Washington Mystics. And that is what is making me happy this week. And that brings us to the end of our show. You can follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow me at NPRMonkeyC. You can follow Stephen at I Dislike Stephen. You can follow Glenn at G.H. Weldon and Sam at Sam Sanders. You can follow our producer, Jessica Reedy, at Jessica underscore Reedy, and our producer emeritus and music director, Mike Katzif, at Mike Katzif, K-A-T-Z-I-F. Mike's band, Hello Come In, provides our in-and-out music. And by the way, uh, if you don't mind uh, dropping us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, that helps people find our show. We're always looking to introduce it to new folks so you can help us out. And uh, so thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening, and we will see you next time.